Welcome to another special edition of Crosswalk and Cross Culture Reconnect. What is the purpose of a church? Have you ever thought about that question? There are certainly general answers that most of us would agree upon. A church's purpose is to glorify God. A church's purpose is to teach people about God. A church's purpose is to lead people to Christ. Those are certainly correct answers, but for each individual church, should there be something more specific? Well, as we continue our series called Cross Culture Reconnect, we're looking today at the purpose of Cross Culture Church. As I said a moment ago, there are general ideas about the purpose of a church, but how each church carries that out may vary. And today, Pastor Clay is going to walk us through what is needed to realize Cross Culture's purpose. We're glad you've joined us today. Now here's Pastor Clay. We started out a few weeks ago with uh, the idea of restating our name. And who we are as a church, what our name represents, is it just a name, is it just a catchy phrase, or does it actually represent something? By the way, if you've been coming every week, you may be catching on to the fact uh, that, wow, you know, a lot of this stuff kind of sounds the same. He keeps going through this stuff, and it's it's got got kind of a different approach, but it sounds very similar. Thank you very much. That's intentional. Uh, Because uh, who we are as a church should be... Uh, we may say it a lot of different ways, but we're saying the same thing, and that is the call upon our life to glorify God and how we do that exactly. So we restated our name a few weeks ago, and then we reintroduced our strategy. And, and I'm sure all of you remember vividly that we basically have a, a two, two-legged strategy at this point. Uh, we don't have a bunch of programs, a bunch of committees, a bunch of policies, all this kind of stuff. We have uh, two areas that we focus on, uh, small groups, life groups, uh, meet during the week, the microcosm of the church meeting during the week, and, and large group gathering, corporate worship. And that's, those are two things that we work on for both adults and for children. We, we offer uh, an opportunity for children to worship uh, in, in C2 Kids. It's, uh, kids are welcome to come to either one they want. We want parents to feel free to do that. We want to make sure that we provide uh, the environment for them. Then rekindle our passion. We talked about that, and I talked to you about the importance of passion setting the stage for what, actually what we're going to talk about today. But having a passion for something in life is what will get you out of bed in the morning. Having a passion for something in life is what will motivate you to keep going when circumstances are bad or finances are bad or, or you know, whatever is bad. Having a passion for that thing will keep you chipping away at it, moving forward. And then last week, uh, as uh, Dave just mentioned a moment ago, refocus our vision. We stated again, what is the vision of cross-culture church? And it's a bold vision, but it's a vision, as we looked at some of those numbers, that is very attainable when you consider the population uh, in our area. And uh, just just to remind you, just to say to you again, 180 plus 180,000 people within a five-mile radius of this church. That's 180, as far as I'm concerned, that's 180,000 reasons to do what we do as a church. Uh, I want to read something to you. According to uh, wiki.answers.com, the issue of the purpose of the appendix remains a matter of considerable debate. It is known that the appendix can be removed without causing any long-term adverse effects for the patient. However, some researchers and members of the medical profession believe the appendix may still serve some purpose within the immune system or as part of the lymphatic system. Y'all are sitting on the edge of your seat. Please tell me more about my appendix. Well, I will. In 2007, American researchers reported that they had discovered the true purpose 
of the appendix. The claim was that the appendix harbored a supply of good bacteria which, in effect, could be used to reboot the gut following a case of dysentery, cholera, or similar intestinal disease. Let's go have lunch. (laughs) Sorry. Recent discoveries have found that the appendix regulates hormone and energy balance as well. Some scientists believe that the appendix is a source of immunologic cells, whereas others believe that the appendix is merely a vestigial organ and of no use to humans any longer. (laughs) It's kind of weird. It's, It's kind of weird that we have this thing in our body called the appendix that nobody really is quite sure yet what this thing does. There's lots of discussion, lots of agreement, lots of disagreement, but nobody's really quite sure or has ever come to a complete agreement on what it is the appendix does. That's kind of weird. It's kind of weird that if you should have trouble with this appendix, it can be removed from your body with apparently no loss as a result of the loss of your appendix. It's kind of sad that the church can be the appendix of a community. It's kind of sad that the church can exist in a community and nobody really takes notice of nobody meaning people outside of the church, and nobody really takes notice of it unless, of course, there is trouble in the church, then everybody seems to take notice of it. It's kind of sad that if a church moves, closes its doors, goes out of business, a community can apparently continue to function with little to no loss as a result of the loss of the church. That's how you have heard me say before that, that part of my desire, and I think not just me, but people who, who have bought into this community, that part of our desire is that cross-culture would have such an influence in our community. And, and by the way, when I say church, I'm referring not to a building, obviously, but to a group of people who have a similar belief in the God that they believe, created the universe, sent his son to die on the cross for them. They, they have... They have Adopted that faith system for themselves and come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. The church, it's been my desire that the church would have such an influence in the community that even if people in that community did not come to uh, believe in the same belief system that we have, even if they said, no, that's not for me, or no, I don't like that, or no, I think there are too many other religions that you can also choose from, or or whatever. Even if they choose to not believe uh, in what we believe in, they would still be glad, grateful, appreciative that that church exists in that community because the church's influence in the community is so great or is to such a degree that people have actually noticed. And by the way, I, I don't think we want that just so people can say, well, I'm so glad cross-culture is here. We want them to feel that way. We want them to, to actually be glad. Man, I'm glad that church is there. I'm glad they're in this community. I'm glad they meet in that high school. We want them to feel that way because we are of the belief that given enough time and enough circumstances and enough involvement in people's lives, God can use that then to work in their lives so that where they may not be ready to come into a, to the belief system that we have at this point, because by the way, they can't be forced, nobody can be forced 
into the kingdom of God. Is that right? Nobody can force to believe in Jesus and anybody that's historically tried has been out of tune with the word of God. But that God might use the influence that we have in the community to draw those people to him. So, in order to be that type of church, I think that it's important that we take a few moments this morning and next week to remember our purpose. Remember I said a couple weeks ago about our passion, rekindling our passion, and I said then that, that having the passion sets the table for the purpose. Because if you don't, if you can, you can say you got all the purpose in the world, well, we want to do this, or we're going to do that, or we're going to do that. But if you're not passionate about that purpose, uh, not much is going to happen, quite honestly. And maybe we've experienced some of that here. We need to remember our purpose. So we're going to take some time to do that. We're going to, it's kind of three major areas that we're going to look at as we remember our purpose. We're going to look at one, at one of them this week, and then we're going to look at a couple more, Lord willing, next week. But I want you to get a hold of the idea of, okay, what is the purpose of the church? We could speak in generalities and, you know, it would be universal truths for churches everywhere. But for cross-culture church, what does it look like? How How do we biblically line up with what God's Word says is our purpose as a church? And how do we flesh that out here in this area where we are, the Research Triangle Park community, which is Raleigh and Durham and Chapel Hill and Wake Forest and Cary and, and all of these surrounding areas and, and even farther out. How do we find and fulfill our purpose? Let's start this morning with this idea. To connect to our culture with a Christ-centered calling. If you'd like to fill in blanks, you have the opportunity to do that on the back of your information sheet. To connect to our culture with a Christ-centered calling. And that, that second part, ladies and gentlemen, is very, very important. Because if I just said, well, to connect to our culture, well, okay, Walmart wants to connect to their culture, right? McDonald's wants to connect to their culture. Everybody wants to connect to their culture if they're, if they're you know, a corporation or a business or a, a, a movement or a belief system or, or whatever, But no, we connect to our culture with a Christ-centered calling. That's what I want you to understand this morning, ladies and gentlemen. You and I, if you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, and you may not be. You say, I'm looking at this thing, or I'm investigating, or I'm here. I don't know. That's fine. Great. Thanks for being here. But if you have said, yes, this is my life. I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Then you need to understand this is your calling because you are the church. This passage in John chapter 20. After Jesus had greeted them again, this meaning his disciples, this is after the resurrection. He says, after Jesus had greeted them again, he said, would you you read that last sentence with me, please, out loud? I am sending you just as the Father has sent me. What an unbelievably powerful statement that Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, having gone to the cross, died for our sins, rose again on the third day, then preparing to go back to heaven, meets with his disciples, and a disciple is simply a follower of, and he says, hey, you know the Father sent me. I'm sending you the same way. Now, in a sense, not with the same purpose, although they're connected. The Father sent the Son to redeem the world. The Father sent the Son because we were sinners separated from God and need a relationship with him, and only a sinless sacrifice would accomplish that. 
That was Christ's purpose in coming. You and I will never redeem anybody. You and I will never be good enough to pay for anybody's sins. We can't even pay for our own. So our purpose is not to redeem mankind. Our purpose is to reveal to mankind that there is a redeemer. That's our calling. And Jesus couldn't be any clearer about this. I'm sending you just as the Father sent me. Now, each of us uh, could ask ourselves this morning, in what ways, uh, I'm sitting here, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, you're sitting out this morning, and, you're, and, and maybe you're thinking, I wonder, let's see, in what way? Okay, here's Jesus, he's do, not really ambiguous about this. He doesn't really, you know, beat around the bush. He says, I'm sending you the same way the Father sent me. So, how am I fulfilling that purpose? How many people's lives have I, you know what I'm saying? Those are the questions we ought to be asking ourselves. Okay, now it's one thing to throw something out there and say that we need to connect to our culture with a Christ-centered calling. But how do we do that? How how do we make that a reality? I want to give you some some things that I hope are helpful for you this morning. First, cultivate our relationships. Number one, if you say, that's what Jesus said to his disciples, that's what I need to be doing. I've got to be engaging the world around me. How do I do that? Number one, cultivate our relationships. I'll never forget, I was sitting in a doctoral class a few years ago uh, that was being taught by Dr. Wayne McDill, who had been my preaching professor, and I was taking him for another uh, class. Um, and he got onto this idea about spreading the message of Jesus. Uh, evangelism is kind of the churchy term that we use. It simply means to, to go and tell the good news of what Christ has done. We're sitting in this class, and Dr. McDill began to talk about this, and he began to talk about... Um, most of the methods that most churches were employing at that time, which were all different kinds of canned programs. There's things called EE and CWT and, and faith and uh, share Jesus without fear. And there's all kinds. Of, and I'm not, I'm not dissing on any of those kind of programs. They've certainly all been good and they've certainly all done some good. But he was talking about the ineffectiveness of them in the current culture in which we live. And he said, we spend all this time uh, doing what's called cold calling, knocking on doors and, you know, hey, can we come in and share with you about Jesus? Sorry if you're eating dinner, but we don't want you to go to hell. <laughs> he, he, was just, he was talking about all that. And so then, then he told us about this story. And I may, I may uh, try this on, on y'all. He told the story about uh, he was preaching in a church one night. And uh, he asked the people in the church. He said, church, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a Sunday night crowd. And it was uh, a number of elderly people. But there also the, the youth students were in there. And there was kind of a mixed age group. And he said, how many of you, and, and, and I'll ask you the same question that he asked them that night. And you can raise your hand uh, or not appropriately. How many of you know somebody that as far as you know, and I know we can't, you may not know everything, but as far as you know, based on your knowledge of them, how many of you know somebody that does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ? How many of you could raise your hand and say, yeah, it's, it might be my mailman. I don't know about that guy. Uh, it could be, you know, somebody I work with. How many, can I see it again? How many of you far, that know somebody Okay, I think that's almost everybody in here, best I can tell. Now, here's what Dr. McDill said. He said, what if we took the time that, we, that we're spending on these programs or knocking on doors and, you know, whatever else the case is doing, what if, we, what if we worked on cultivating the relationships that we already have with those people that don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Since we've already, because you've already got an entryway into their life, right? You already know them. In some extent, it may be a deep relationship. Others, it may be a casual relationship. But you have some type of relationship with them. Cultivate the relationships 
that you have. How do we do that? Y'all are probably wondering that, aren't you? <laughs> Here's what we do. Number one, include people in our life. Now, that seems kind of simple, right? But can I tell you, in the, in the craziness of life, in the hectic schedules that we live, in the business and running here and there and doing this and that and kids to ball games and, and, and school and, and work over, you know, all this kind of stuff, that it is very easy for us to become islands unto ourselves. How many of you had a conversation with a neighbor this week? How many of you had a, had a, uh, a conversation with a coworker? You understand what I'm saying? We need to learn how to include people in our life. Now, that may mean having a neighbor over for dinner. But I don't like my neighbor. Serve liver, but have him over. <laughs> Include people in our life. You and I have, if we're going to cultivate the relationships that we have, if it's a coworker, how, you got to figure this out. How can I include them in my life? Maybe I'm going to tell them a story about a camping trip that went on with the kids this weekend and some funny thing that, that happened. Maybe I'm going to, you know, you just begin to include people in your life. Because listen, this, this, may, this is not shocking. This is not, you know, anything new. You probably all could figure this out. But I have discovered if I include people in, in, in my life, very often they will include me in their life. They'll begin to tell me some things about their life. If we're going to cultivate relationships, we have to be intentional about this. And so I hope you are writing these notes down because I want you to think seriously about that. We've got to include people in our life. Here's another one. We've got to invest in people with our life. Again, the busyness just keeps us going here and there. I've got responsibilities with my family. or I've got responsibilities down at the church. Or I've got this or I've got that. The work has these demands. Okay, sure. But you know, the great thing about you is you. You are unique. Some of us are a little strange. But we are unique. Have you thought about that? There is not another person like you on the face of the earth. That's an astounding thing to me since there's about seven billion people on this planet and not another person the whole fingerprint thing you are you you are unique and God can use you to invest in people with who you are with what you know with experiences that you've had with talents that you have with abilities that you have with thoughts that you have to learn how to invest in people with our life but that takes time I know sometimes it costs money I know Sometimes they don't, they don't even want me to be, they think I'm bothering them. I know. But, but it's still there. John 20, 21. The Father sent me, now I'm sending you in the same way. So you and I have to learn how to invest in people with our life. Can I just challenge you to think a moment? Okay, who's somebody, I raised my hand a moment ago, somebody I know as far as I know doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. How can I invest in their life? Well, I could fix them, I could bake them a pie. Well, I couldn't bake them a pie, but somebody could bake them a pie. My wife could bake them a pie. I could, uh, I could wash their car. I could do that. I could wash car. I washed a guy's car. I washed a neighbor's car one time. He didn't even notice. <laughs> I mean, not that I did it to get noticed, but he never even knew his car got washed. But uh, you understand what I'm saying? How can I invest in somebody's life? All right, it's, it's going. I've got a lot, lot to say and a uh, short time to get there. Invite people into our life. And when I say invite people into our life, now I'm referring more to the life that is cross-culture church. Okay, if, if we're including people in our lives and we're investing in people's lives, the net, next natural thing is to include them as a significant part of our life. And so it is to invite them into our life, this life that is cross-culture. I'll be honest with you. This is the easiest and I believe perhaps the most effective form of evangelism you'll ever do. 
Because one of the number one reasons I get that people don't share their faith is, is fear. Fear they might mess up. Fear they'll say the wrong thing. Fear they'll forget the verse that they were trying to memorize. Fear that they'll get tricked up and they'll become a Buddhist or something. I don't know, something. There's some sort of fear. I don't know what it is. But inviting people into our life is now. Some of you are sitting here saying, oh, I've done that and they keep saying no. Invite them again. Invite them till they run you off their property with a gun. <laughs> invite. Or if they've said no and they said, we don't want to hear about this anymore. We're not interested in your church. There's a bunch of crazy loons down there anyway. We don't want to hear about that. Okay, find somebody else to invite, but invite. Now, some of you are saying, and I have, I have invited, and people have come, and they never come back again. That's not your fault. It may be my fault, (laughs) but that's not your fault. Hey, 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 and it's not your business either. It's not your business. It's not your business whether they come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. It can, I mean, it may be your desire. Obviously, it's your desire. But God is the one that works in people's hearts and lives. And I'm just, all I'm saying is, if, if you can get people to come here, and we got a lot of empty seats, man. Woman, don't leave anybody out. we got a lot of empty seats. There's room. And, and just inviting them. And, and I must be honest with you, most of them will not come back. That's just the, statistically the way it is. But some of them will. And some of them will come into a relationship as a result of having come to a church, heard the message of the cross, and received Christ as our Savior. Can I encourage you? It's the easiest thing in the world. Invite. Y'all know them Ivite cards? Y'all know what I'm talking about? We got them out there at one of the tables. They're in little packs. Just carry them with you everywhere you go and give them out. They may not come, but we got to do that. We've got to invite people into our life. And then, and then last introduce people to the life. We invite them into our life, but what we're really trying to do is introduce them to the life. Maybe you've read this verse, John chapter 14 and verse six. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and say it, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I didn't write that in there. Jesus did. If that sounds exclusive, if that sounds like, hey, what... Jesus said, and it's either true or it's not, okay? I've, I've, I've been down this road before. We've talked about apologetics, and I told people, ultimately, you've got to decide what you believe based on the evidence that's available and, and what God speaks into your heart and your life. But, but the ultimate goal is to introduce people to the life because while people are living, most people's lives are very unfulfilled. They know there's something missing in their life. So that's what we've got to do. We've got to cultivate the relationships. All right, let me give you another real quick. We've got to customize our evangelism. I mentioned a moment ago some of those programs and, you know, track, giving out tracks and ABC's salvation and all this. And again, those things are wrong. And if they float your boat, ride on it. You know, I mean, use, use that track, use a form, use whatever. But one of the things that, that cross culture has said from the beginning is, again, you are unique and the person you're sharing with is unique. How do you intersect with their life How do you use your gifts, your talents, your abilities in a way that would allow you the opportunity to share the message of Jesus with them? We've got to be, we've got to customize our evangelism. Here's the way I think the Apostle Paul puts it to the church in Corinth. He says, even though I'm a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many people to Christ. Listen to what he's saying. You can hear what he's saying. He said, this is about... Those people out there, when I was with the Jews, 
I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under that law. The Jewish law that had been established on Mount Sinai, the, even though grace had come, grace is always there, but I mean, even though Christ had brought salvation and Paul understood that Levitical law, you didn't have to be, Paul says, I'm with them, that's where they are in their world, I'm, gonna, I'm going to come under that law so that I can have a chance to share Christ. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. You understand where he's going with this? When I'm with the Gentiles, Gentile simply means someone who's not a Jew. Biblically, that's what we're talking about. When I'm with the Gentiles who do not follow Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ. But I do not ignore the law of God. I obey the law of Christ. So I think Paul's basically saying, I'm not, I, don't, I don't go off into sin, you know, join somebody in some whatever. I obey the law of Christ. When I'm with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessings. We have to, be, we have to customize our evangelism to who we're trying to reach and to who we are as a person. I want you to give some serious thought to that. So what do we do? We do things like uh, love your neighbor days. We do things like uh, serve coffee and hot chocolate and stuff uh, in neighborhoods on Halloween. We do stuff like work concession stands for high school football games where we can interact with the people there. Finding ways for a door to share the message of Christ. We have to customize our evangelism. Who are you? Who are you? How does God want you? There's no question whether God wants to use you, right? We, we don't even have to go back to John 20, 27, do we? Do we need to go back there? Or myriads of other verses that talk about this mandate that God has given us because he loves the world and is not willing that any should perish. So we don't have to go about, uh, back there and see whether we're supposed to. So, so customize it. Figure it out. What, I'm good with my hands. I'm a, I'm a mechanic. I, I, I'm, I'm an electrician. I, I'm a uh, whatever. I don't know. I like guns. Well, find, some, find somebody else that likes guns that needs Jesus. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? We got to customize our evangelism. All right. Um, and third, we've got to challenge our culture. We've got to challenge our culture. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be honest with you, okay? We could do this as a church. And many churches do. And many churches are very successful at doing it. We could love on them, reach out to them, invite them. We could do all that stuff and people come, get their, you know, relationships or maybe their ego fed or whatever the case may be. We, could, we can give, you know, wonderful flowery messages about the love of God and God's love is great. There's no question about that. But you understand at some point, if we're going to be an authentic church, we have to challenge our culture with the claims of Jesus Christ. We have to. Not because we're mean-spirited, not because we think we're better than anybody else, but because this is what God's word says. And if I believe it, how can I possibly not share it? So we have to challenge our culture. How do we, how do, we do that? Well, here's, here's one area. We have to challenge people by helping them remember that there is a God and you're not him. Now, I'm, now I know people don't, you know, think of themselves as God. They don't think, but 
But when they become an island unto themselves, when they come to this place where I, I've got my life, I, I can do it, I, I can do it my way, I don't need any help, I don't, I don't need that. In essence, what they're saying is, I'm my own God, I got this, I got this. No, there is a God, and you're not him. Maybe you've uh, seen this verse, Psalm 14 and also Psalm 53, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Well, that's a, that's a little offensive. That's what God says. That it's foolish to not recognize that there is a God. How about this uh, verse from Romans chapter 1? For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Oh, we can't talk about wrath. Why? We got a challenge. This is what God's word says. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness and injustice and of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Watch this. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. For God made it evident to them. How did he do that? For instance, the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God. Or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing to be wise, they actually became fools. And exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God for an image in the form of corruptible man, and of birds, and four-footed animals, and crawling creatures. Whatever man has worshipped throughout the ages. God says, I have revealed myself to you. We, we, We have to challenge people. There is a God, and you're not him. Here's another one, real quick. There is a God, and you need him. You and I need him. Every one of us need him. Why? Well, the prophet Isaiah tells us, all of us have become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our, like the wind, our sins sweep us away. All of us, ladies and gentlemen, have sinned and come short of God's standard. How about this one from Romans 3.23? For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. There is a God and you need him. We have to challenge people with that idea. Like I said, it's not not enough just to do some kind deed for them. It's not enough to just uh, have a a public safety day or or a family fun day and let them come. And that's great. We do those things in the hope that we we can... Bring them to a place where we can share the message of Jesus. But if we stop at just the entertaining, or if we stop at just the service, we've stopped short of what God intends for their lives. And for their eternity, by the way. There is a God, and you need Him. And then finally, there is a God, and you'll stand before Him. It's either true, or it's not. I've said this many times throughout the years of my ministry. Every person has to believe what they believe. They have to come to the place. They can examine the evidence. They can uh, allow God to speak in their heart and life. Ultimately, every person has to believe what they believe. As I've said many times throughout my life, I'm going with the guy that rose from the dead. That's where I'm putting my belief system. There is a God, and you'll stand before him. Hebrews chapter 9 says, Inasmuch as it appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. It's interesting, virtually every People group, every civilization, every religion for that matter in the world has a concept of an afterlife. That this earthly life is not the end and that something else is beyond the grave. And the writer of Hebrews says one of the things that's beyond the grave is the fact that someday 
you'll stand before God. Or how about this one? Maybe you've seen it in Revelation chapter 20. John in a vision says, And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The book of life is that book Scripture refers to where those who have trusted Jesus Christ are personal Savior, who are not depending on their own good works, not depending on any man-made religion, not depending on anything except the grace of God in their life. There is a God, ladies and gentlemen, and you and I will stand before Him. And those outside of relationship with God will stand before Him. And as Jesus said, as we looked at earlier in John 14, 6, He is the only way to get through this. That's why we have to do this. That's why we have to find a way to reach the culture around us. We're asking you to be a part of it. We're asking you to say, yes, there's something that I can find purpose in. There's a place I can invest my life in helping make an eternal difference in people's lives. We're asking that question throughout this series. We continue to ask that question. It's our purpose. Remember? Connect to our culture with a Christ-centered calling. As you heard Pastor Clay explain today, that's part of the purpose of Cross Culture Church. Our culture is absorbed in self and looking for what will satisfy. It's our job to find a way to connect with those around us and share the great news of God's redemption plan. Finding creative and effective ways to do that isn't always easy, but understanding that it's part of our purpose to do so keeps us moving toward fulfillment of our purpose. Be sure to join us next week. Pastor Clay takes us the rest of the way to realize our purpose. We're glad you spent some time with us for this week's Crosswalk. Cross Culture Church is a new church in North Raleigh, but instead of religion, we're about relationships, and instead of rituals, we practice realness. We meet Sunday mornings at 1030 at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. And we welcome anyone and everyone who is looking for a place to learn about God's plan for their life. At Cross Culture Church, we experience the liberating, satisfying, life-changing power of the cross, and it's our desire to bring that power to a culture in need of freedom, hope, and joy. We hope you'll come join us on a Sunday morning. We'll save a seat for you. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross Culture Church, taking the cross to our culture and taking our culture to the cross. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.